Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. In what may be one of the most culturally significant interviews we have seen in a very long time, the BBC interviewed Elon Musk. And in this interview, Elon Musk asks the reporter about a rise in hate speech because the media keeps claiming that there's all of this hate speech and misinformation and disinformation and malinformation. Elon says to this man, you've seen more hate speech. Give me one example. And do you know what the reporter says? Well, I mean, well, it's remarkable. This was an epic takedown of the lies from the corporate press. And how this all began is because Elon Musk's Twitter slapped a government, uh, I believe it was a state-sponsored media outlet tag on the BBC or state-affiliated or something to that effect. And of course, the BBC is. The argument from this individual is that, no, no, actually, the BBC is funded by a license fee. Yes, a license fee that is taken by force from the people in the UK and then used to fund their state propaganda outlet. Well, this led to a very long sit down interview and get this over three million people listened to this takedown. And I think it matters. And I want you to listen to it. It's a few minutes long, but Elon Musk does not relent. He basically exposes them for the fake news that they are. The reason I think this is significant. We are hearing a journalist espouse lies. Why? Well, I think this guy who gave the interview is, the, is an example of the banality of evil, a man who has no idea what he's talking about, who heard it somewhere and just repeats it. And don't get me wrong. We are all guilty of this to a certain extent. But this guy has no business making claims with no facts to Elon Musk. And when Elon Musk says, can you give me one example? Do you know what his response should have been? You know, honestly, I can't. And then if Elon Musk says, then how do you know it's true? The guy could say, well, maybe I'm wrong about that. It's really just that simple. That's not what he does, though. Instead, we see the persistent narrative from the likes of uh, I love this one. And this is what we're going to get into as it pertains to the fake news. Max Berger tweeted, if you had told me 10 years ago what would become of Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K. and Kanye West, I would not have begun to believe you. Anyone have a theory about what happened there? Well, you see, Max Berger is in a cult. There is a cult that formed due to social media algorithms that I love talking about. And Glenn Greenwald strikes back by showing, in fact, it is Democrats that have changed. Republicans have changed, too. They've moved more libertarian. 
But Democrats have shifted more dramatically towards the authoritarian, demanding that the U.S. government should take steps to restrict false information online. Tech companies should take steps to restrict false information online. Which brings me to the epic takedown by Elon Musk, seen and listened to by millions of people. And my point is such, if we should take down fake news, we have to start with the mainstream media. Take a listen to this. To be in content moderation, and, and, and we've spoken to people very recently who were involved in moderation, and they just say they just, there's not enough people to police this stuff, particularly around, um, particularly around hate speech um, in the company. Do, is that well, something that you want to address? Talking about? I mean, you use Twitter. Right. Do you see a rise in hate speech? I mean, I, I, just a personal anecdote. Like, what do you do? I don't. Personally, my uh, for you, I would see I get I get more of that kind of content. Yeah, personally. But I, I'm not going to talk to talk to the rest of for, for the rest of Twitter. So you see more hate speech personally. I would say I would see more hateful content in that. In that. Content you don't like or, or hateful. What do you mean to describe a hateful thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, just content that will solicit a, a reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist, those kinds of those kinds of things. So you think if I, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, no, is that I'm, what not, you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm well, saying. I'm just curious. What you, I'm, I'm trying to say what you mean by hateful con content. And I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be bad? Well, you've asked me, you've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more, it, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's but, what I'm asking for examples. Can right. You, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't. You, I, I, honestly, you I don't. You can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore because I, I just don't particularly like it. You and actually, a lot of people, a lot of people are quite similar. I, oh, I, I, only, well, I only look at my, my followers. You said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example, not even one. <laughs> I'm sure I used that feed for the last three or four weeks, and I. Well, I how did you see the hateful content, content? Because I've been I've been using I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen the you for you hateful content. I'm asking for one example. Right, and and I, you can't I, give us a more. And, and, and I'm saying, I, I, then I, I say, sir, that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claim. What no, no. What I claim was uh, there are many uh, organisations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether whether it has on my feed or example. not, I mean, I, right? And Literally, you can look at something one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the in the UK. They will say that. So you, they, look, these people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can name one. Right, and as, <laughs> yeah. as I've already said, I don't use let that go. feed. But let's, how let, do you know that? I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content, and then couldn't name a single. It is a psychopathic cult. This reporter heard from an expert that it's happening, and then said, "Yes, I too agree. It is happening." And Elon went, "Wow." Can you explain uh, what happened? Well, no, I can't. Well, how can I fix it if you don't tell me what happened? Well, I can't. I, I'll tell you what happened. I'll break it down for you. This reporter for the BBC has not seen a rise in hate speech. I believe he's lying. When in, when, uh, what in reality happens is that he's on Twitter seeing people tweet about hate speech, tweet about Elon Musk being bad or something to that effect. 
these experts in these organizations say, yes, there's tons of hate. Please give us more money because we need money to fight hate. And then the reporters regurgitate it because they want to fit in. They want to feel good. You know, I got a lot of hate the other day for my take on Mario Brothers. Don't know, don't care. It's not going to change my opinion. I am not chasing after algorithms. These people are desperate to fit in. Their minds can only work if they are synchronized with the opinions of other people, despite the fact that there are clear logical breaking points. What he is saying makes literally no sense, but he heard it from an expert. Therefore, it must be true. And then in order to assert the claim that it's true, he has to be a witness to it. To put it simply, when he sees that the mainstream and popular narrative is that hate speech is on the rise and that the BBC has reported as such, he must agree with the BBC. And in order to justify those claims, he has to be able to say, I've seen it. Well, uh oh, that's put to the test. When Elon Musk simply says, oh, wow, can you give me one example? example? Right. And as I said, I that's absurd. I haven't I haven't actually looked at that feed. Then how would you know this hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We have we only have a certain amount of time. Um, well, wow. COVID misinformation. You change, the COVID, you change the COVID misinformation. Has rules. BBC changed the COVID misinformation? The BBC does not set the rules on Twitter, so I'm asking you. No, I'm talking about the BBC's misinformation about COVID. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> asking you about, you change the labels, the COVID misinformation labels. There used to be a policy, and then it then disappeared. Why, why do that? COVID is no longer an issue. So he goes on to basically say, and this is, a, this is a separate issue, but he does go on to say that the BBC published tons of misinformation about COVID. And so why, what, why weren't these things being enforced against other people? So, so here's how it basically happens. This reporter reaches out to Elon Musk saying, you've labeled us state funded. Can we do an interview? And he goes, yes, it'll be live and we'll do it tonight. And they said, uh, OK, I guess three million people were listening to this live on Twitter spaces. In this one tweet posted by Elon Musk, it has 9.7 million views. The video itself has 3.2 million views. It was one of the biggest, most culturally significant moments to, to, to happen when Elon Musk masterfully, but really simply, took down the corporate press. Now, I don't know if there's a better avatar for what the corporate press could be than this guy, James, which is named Clyburn or something like that. But the reality was, Elon Musk points out in this uh, uh, Twitter space that the rules were being unevenly enforced. He talks about COVID misinformation and Elon's like, the BBC was publishing COVID misinformation. And yet Twitter doesn't label them misinformation. So here's the story we have from the Daily Mail. Here's, what, here's, here's the breakdown of the interview with Elon Musk. I want to I I give you some of the actual facts from the interview before we talk about the uh, corporate press and Glenn Greenwald's tweet. Elon Musk claims Twitter is breaking even, blue checks will be gone next week, and that he sleeps on the couch of the seventh floor library, also defends reducing staff of 8,000 to just 1,500 to avert bankruptcy in biggest interview since painful takeover. Now, I do want to stress, there are a lot of people who don't believe that 3 million number is correct. And when I saw that it said Twitter spaces 3.3 million, have you seen the price of gold lately? 
It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. I didn't believe it. I, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. Like Having worked on the internet and been in live streaming and all that stuff, 3.3 million is absolutely unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. And it could be true. Other people are pointing out that it seemed that uh, Twitter space numbers were generally inflated, but maybe, I don't know. Or maybe people were just watching Elon Musk take down the corporate press. So the gist of the interview is, you know, I don't care to go over the basics of the, the generalities of the interview. Elon Musk says they're breaking even, they've reduced staff, et cetera, et cetera. And so there was a lot more in this interview than just him epically smacking down the corporate press. It's probably worth uh, uh, pointing out this news before we get into, I think, what really matters. This tweet. I saw this from Glenn Greenwald. Who changed? Who changed? Here's the tweet from Max Berger, and I want to read this to you. I think it's funny. Berger said, well, first, who is Max Berger? He's um, Justice Democrats, Elizabeth Warren, blah, 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 working on something new. He says, if you had told me 10 years ago, what would become of Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K., and Kanye West, I would not have begun to believe you. And would have a theory about what happened there. Well, I mean, as it pertains to Louis, uh, I'm sorry, Kanye West, yeah, that's a whole different story compared to anybody else. But the reality is they didn't change. I mean, let's be honest, they, they didn't change. Are you shocked that Dave Chappelle did a comedy routine where he mocked Asian people by squinting his eyes and doing an, uh, an old Chinese stereotype? Why? He had a whole bunch of content like that from the Chappelle show in the 2000s. He says, it seemed like what happened here is the curse of Gen X contrarian. The fetishization of being heterodox and contradictory, not selling out, etc., can easily become reactionary when you have no ideology. Anyway, it's kind of sad. As an elder millennial, some of these dudes were shining lights in the dark days of peak neoliberalism. Kanye was anti-Bush when few celebs would go there. Chappelle was pushing forward the conversation on racism. Louis C.K. seemed like a decent guy. What is that? No, he didn't. I was never a big fan of Elon or Bill Maher, but for some, they probably fall in this category too. What happened to these people? Ah, well, Glenn Greenwald lays it down very simply. First, we have this. As I showed you early on, the partisan divisions, you can see it for yourself. And the reason I think this matters, and it was, it's just, this was tough because there's more sensational news that I could have covered that I probably would have gotten more clicks and all that stuff. So become a member at TimCast.com if you think we do a good job. Um, Glenn Greenwald is pointing out, quite simply, the U.S. government should stake, uh, take steps to restrict false info online. Democrats went from 40% in 2018 to 65% in 2021. 
and the belief that tech companies should went from 60 to 76. But I'd be real interested in seeing going back even further. Who changed? The Democrats did. I mean, it's fairly obvious. Take a look at this one. Wide partisan differences in views of most federal agencies, but Americans in both parties view National Park Service, Postal Service, and NSA favorably. Take a look at this. The Republican Party views the CDC unfavorable, EPA unfavorable, Department of Education unfavorable, transportation, health and human. I mean, I'll just go through the whole list. Health and Human Services, FBI, IRS, Federal Reserve. The Republican Party has a favorable view of the Social Security Administration, negative for the CIA, negative for the DOJ. They view the Postal Service favorably. They just slightly view Homeland Security favorably. NASA is pretty good. The Park Service is pretty good. And Veterans Affairs is pretty good. Now take a look at the Democrats. They have, it's, it's not even a question. When, when you look at the Republicans' views of all the governmental agencies, it's like unfavorable for the CDC, 63% unfavorable. Let's see, the FBI, 53% unfavorable. The IRS, 64 The Democrats have a favorable view of the IRS. That says right there, these people have gone insane. Hands down. Nobody likes the IRS. It was always considered political suicide to come out and talk about increasing taxes. Now you've got Democrats. Here's what happened. Democrats proposed 80,000 or whatever new IRS agents, so they must defend it because they're a psychotic cult. Look at this. CDC favorable. EPA favorable. Department of Education favorable. Transportation. It's all favorable. Favorable. FBI 65% favorable. IRS favorable. The Federal Reserve, 55% favorable. How is that possible? No one even knows what the Federal Reserve does or is. Yet for some reason, they march in lockstep behind these institutions like blind lemmings. I think it's not fair to insult lemmings because Disney was shoving them off a cliff with a broom or something like that. But this is just absolutely insane. The DOJ 57% favorable. I shout out to the Postal Service. Everybody seems to like those guys. Homeland Security, 56% favorable. Are you kidding me? George W. Bush created the Department of Homeland Security. And let's take a look back at what this dude, Max Berger, said. Kanye was was opposed to, uh, was anti-Bush. Is anti-Bush? You, my friend, dude, are on the side of DHS. What happened to these people? That's the simple question. Because if I were to tell you that I'm anti-war, I I was always a a big fan of Ron Paul, but I was more left-leaning. So I was like, I like the freedom aspect of it. He changed my views on many things. I liked the anti-war stuff, but I I wasn't a right-leaning guy. So I I often say when it came to Ron Paul, we had on the show last night, that even if we disagree on these issues, his whole thing is like, but I'm going to leave you alone. And I'm like, hey, there we go, right? This works for me, libertarian, huh? It's remarkable to me because let's go through this. Where have I been my entire life? The CDC, neutral to not caring. Right now, I'd say moderately unfavorable. I don't know about 63%, but probably 63% if I was going to wait. EPA, neutral to unfavorable. Department of Education, neutral to unfavorable. Transportation, neutral to unfavorable. Health and Human Services, probably slightly favorable, to be completely honest. Um, Going back, FBI, Probably very unfavorable. 
considering what we what we've long known, especially pretending to the war movement, the IRS, I have always been extremely unfavorable on. And I'll tell you why. Oh, I remember like it was yesterday. It wasn't my first job. I remember I got a job. First, my first job ever was uh, my family's business. And my first ever actual filling out a job application form was for Portillo's in Chicago. That's right. Slinging French fries, slinging French fries. I was 16 years old and uh, didn't think much about it. Got paid. It is what it is. And then I got a job when I was 18 working at American Eagle Airlines. And I was getting paid something like $10.75 an hour. And I remember that day, like so many others, when I said, I got to pay my bills. I got to fix my car. I got to buy shoes. I am struggling. Thank God I worked 40 hours this week because I sure do need that 400 and some odd dollars. Now, I know what taxes are. So I was expecting to get, I don't know, 350, 340. What did I get? Like 220 something. And I said, huh? This is like half my paycheck. This has got to be a mistake. And I went and asked somebody and they all started laughing. And they said, welcome to Uncle Sam. I'm like, I'm only getting like five bucks an hour. They're like, yep, that's how it works. I could, it was like probably 260 something to be honest. Yeah, it was a third or whatever of my paycheck. And then I just had to cross my fingers and hope that I could make it. I couldn't. It was impossible. It was impossible to do that job. You basically just sleep there. Was homeless half the time. So IRS, not a fan. Never been. The Federal Reserve, not a fan, never been. Unfavorable. Social Security, very, very unfavorable. Because that goes in line with me with the IRS. CIA, absolutely unfavorable. DOJ, oh, you better believe unfavorable. The Postal Service, neutral to not caring. Homeland Security, remarkably unfavorable. NASA, very favorable. Park Service, eh, neutral to favorable, probably. And Veterans Affairs, very favorable. I'm not, an, I'm, not a, I'm not an anarchist. I'm not a hardcore libertarian. I've always been classically liberal or traditionally liberal. My point is this. If you look at where Democrats are today, it doesn't align with anything I've ever believed. And I can give you a timeline justification for exactly why my positions on these things were the way they are. And I take a look at the Republican Party being unfavorable on the FBI. And that seems unheard of to me because I remember back in time, the Republican Party was pro-government, pro-small government, but they come out law enforcement and all that stuff. Now, the IRS, I can certainly understand. But this is remarkable to me to see that the Democrats are 100 percent on board for all of these things. I'm, I'm saying that hyperbolically, clearly not 100 percent, like 80, 74, 62. But when they come out and they say that I've changed or that this guy specifically referring to Glenn Greenwald or Matt Taibbi. The evidence is clear. You are all in an authoritarian death cult. You are psychotic. And Elon Musk points out in an epic fashion exactly what this is. This guy cannot give a single example of this argument about hate speech. Not a single one. I can make several arguments. You want to you talk about hate speech? Let's do this. An example of hate speech. Perhaps what these organizations are referring to is people expressing their opinions on Twitter, for which now that people have been unbanned, we are seeing the expressing of opinions that they don't like. And that's what Elon Musk said. Are you talking about things you don't like or hate speech? And that's just it. The reality is I could certainly make an argument that the left's view of hate speech certainly increased. But their definitions mean nothing to me because hate speech to them is someone saying something like we should not allow children to get sex changes. They call that hate speech. I call it more of an academic argument about the merits based on what we see in Scandinavia. It has nothing to do with whether I hate someone or not. It has everything to do with whether or not I actually care about someone, want to protect these kids from from harm. 
but they'll call that hate speech. As for this guy, he exemplifies it perfectly. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's not seen any examples because I could actually have a conversation on whether or not someone perceives hate speech or otherwise. This guy can't even do it. And when Elon Musk says, please, one example, the guy just says, oh, and that is the basis for so much of the news that people consume, that these people consume. This is why you see these switches, these, this jumping from, you know, uh, from in, in their worldviews, because they just march in lockstep with each other, regardless of what is true. That's it. So the question then becomes, how do we as a nation survive if that's the case? I'm sorry to say I'm not entirely sure we can. Now, of course, this guy's British, but they've got their similar problems. His worldview, fractured, dejected and unremarkable. Is is what's happening in the United States the same as it is in many Western nations? And I believe it's based on social media. These people are more interested in just repeating what they've heard from other people as opposed to actually giving their own honest opinions on it. So I will say this. I made a video about the Mario Brothers movie yesterday, and boy, were people not happy with it. I think it's like 30% thumbs down or something. I don't care. What am I going to do about that? I'm not going to change my opinion and come out and be like, oh, uh, actually, you're you're right. It was a great movie. and, and, and No, my opinion is what my opinion is. If you don't like it, you don't have to like it. But I'm not going to change my opinion. I watched a movie. Here's what I think. That's it. We can have a debate about it. I don't know how many how much people really care. But this guy, I'll tell you what he does. He sees the experts say it, and therefore he must repeat it because he doesn't want dislikes. This is the reality of modern media and the cult. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. They're on YouTube. And when they see thumbs down, when they don't get likes, they think I've done something wrong. I need more internet points. The funny thing is, despite the fact I may get dislikes on videos periodically, I've got substantially more followers than this guy by just being myself. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. So perhaps that's the lesson to these people. You really want to be somebody, be a journalist, speak your mind, be original. Take a look at the success of Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi. Massive success. Glenn Greenwald with his two million followers. Bravo, good sir. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Whenever I bring up stories like this, the response I get from some people is that, who is this guy And why does he even matter anyway? Oh, it's nonsense. It's irrelevant. This is a tweet from Stevie Van Zandt. He said, 
Outrageous doesn't begin to describe the actions of these Republican white supremacist scumbag cowards. And uh, I won't read the next word insult that need guns to feel like real men. Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen X will unite and exterminate these cockroaches once and for all. Now, this dude here ultimately deleted this tweet and then later claimed that it was it was, it was a symbolism in this tweet from Cat Turd, who says this tweet and claims to be a peace loving hippie. Stevie Van Zandt said, in this case, the phrase was used as symbolism. I know you pathetic maggots don't have the intelligence to recognize that, but that's your problem. Don't project your mindless violence fantasies on this peace loving hippie exterminate at the ballot box was clearly what was meant. This guy's got 341,000 followers. He is in, he's been in a bunch of famous uh, music groups or he's played guitar for famous music groups. I think like Bruce Spring, Springsteen. I'm not sure. I guess he was on the Sopranos. This is a prominent influential individual calling for the extermination of Republicans. Why? Because they're pro-gun. That's it, I guess, because they are uh, pro-gun. Okay, you know where I'm going with this. The, the disruptions, the level of violence, and the hyper-tribalism, the polarization is reaching critical mass. I don't know if that means that this guy's actually going to go out with weapons, but you need to start looking at the history of countries where this kind of thing has happened. Civil wars, tribal revolutions, tribal violence, etc., you start to see exactly this in corporate press, in mainstream discourse. One member of one tribe will call out the other as an insect, as a maggot and call for their extermination. In fact, there's a viral tweet from a while ago, a viral uh, meme talking about the steps towards genocide. And a lot of people felt like a lot of the criteria of this had actually already been accomplished. And one of them was. Uh, referring to your opponents as insects or vermin that uh, and additionally that need to be gotten rid of. Well, this is where we're heading. And I think the problem is weak men make hard times. We have this story from TimCast.com. Downtown Portland Cafe closing due to being on the front line of extreme violence and criminal activity in the city. I saw a viral video. Apparently, there's a potential indictment or something for a cop who, you know, killed a guy and everybody's boarding up their windows. Now, why would they do that? Because deep down in their heart of hearts, people in this country know that the far left terrorists will attack them are violent. And the reason why they continue to gain and amass power and have influence is because regular people are unwilling to challenge this. And thus, we get stories like this. Now, before we read this story, my friends, just go to TimCast.com, click that little hamburger and join us. Become a member to support our work. Get access to the Discord community where we are connecting like-minded individuals so that we can actually create culture and push back and win this culture war. Now, as I often say, the night is always darkest before the dawn, and I think things in cities are going to get a whole lot worse. So while I use the example of the Stevie Van Zant guy to show you just how much these people hate you, <clears throat> how extreme they are, and where this country is headed, let's take a look at the policy ramifications for what Democrats are doing. Now, of course, I could just read this story to you, and I will, so you can understand how bad Portland is doing. But first, how about I just show you this video? Asian Dawn tweets WTF. Well, take a look. It's just a... Uh, 
I'll describe it for those that are listening. There's a man. He's wearing uh, uh, Adidas track pants, and he's just literally filling a garbage bag with shoes. And then he just walks out. He's not wearing a mask. He's not hiding his identity. He's literally just filling a garbage bag as everyone watches. And that's it. That's what you get. Now, this is called anarcho-tyranny. This is when criminals are allowed to do whatever they want. They're effectively protected. And if you do anything to stop them, you will be going to prison. Take a look at Daniel Perry. Let's 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 talk about the story of Daniel Perry in Austin, Texas, was driving Uber, drove towards a protest. They then surrounded his car. A man approached with a rifle employed, meaning, as Jim Hansen pointed out, he had it at either low or high ready. It was raised up. He was ready to use that weapon. Why? I have no idea. And so the driver opened fire on him through the window. And now they've convicted this man of murder because he had made comments online where he basically said that if he's attacked, he may have to end some lives to defend himself. I'm paraphrasing. But the left has omitted a lot of the context of what he said. Now, I look at this. You have Provo, Utah, where a driver is shot. You have people killed. You have that guy, Aaron Danielson. All of these things are happening. Is it reasonable for a person to fear far left extremists approaching them armed with weapons? Of course, there was I think it was in Portland. It may have been Seattle where armed far left extremists pointed a rifle at a truck and and blocked the intersection. This guy gets out and pulls out his gun. Yeah, we're headed to dark places. Let's take a look at what's happening on the ground in Portland to uh, learn exactly about what these policies lead to. A cafe in downtown Portland is closing its doors due to extreme violence and criminal activity in the city. Coava Coffee Roasters has resorted to giving employees de-escalation training and hazard pay in recent years because of how unsafe the city has become. And it's become unsafe because of far left terrorism. Now, I will say it outright. You know, I'm looking at these tweets about uh, drag queens and, and, and police officers, and I'm like, I don't care about you, the leftists. When they tweet these things, I don't care about you. I don't care about your weird, ill-conceived world. At this point, I do not see a path toward reconciliation, reconciling our differences. These people who want children to receive sex changes are so far outside the Overton window. There's two, period. The right has their own now. You can drift outside the right's version of the Overton window. And uh, then there's the left. They have their own. That's it. That's two different rooms. I don't care about Portland. What I do care about is if these Portlandians are going to flee and then go to red areas and rural areas and bring their problems with them. So I'm driving around in Austin because we're down in Austin for the show. And I see a sticker on uh, there's a there's a, a highway barrier. It says, don't California my Texas. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the culture war is very pronounced here in Texas, in Austin. They call Austin the California of Texas. And in the big cities, it's woke. But the state itself is shifting red as more conservative leaning people and libertarians flee their apocalyptic blue states for here, which means we are going to get to sit back and watch Portland decay into rubble and ash. And I don't care. 
at all. We had Dr. Peter Bogosian, we just call him Peter Bogosian, on the uh, on Tim Cast IRL. In the members only show, he asked me, what if Russia invades Estonia? And I said, I don't care. He's like, you don't care? And I'm like, why should I care about Estonia? Look, I like Estonia. Tallinn sounds like it's a whole lot of fun. They got a funny little language there with some, you know, there's, I, I can't say, I can't say it on YouTube, but the, the, the way their words sound <clears throat> are, uh, anyway, you can look it up. But um, I don't want Estonia to be crushed or conquered, but I also don't live there. I am not required to defend them. Sure, they're a NATO nation, but I don't even care about what NATO is doing because NATO's done a whole bunch of awful things. My point is this. I look at Portland and I'm like, I don't care about you anymore. I do not view us as part of the same culture or community any longer. And I think people on the right for too long still perceive these people as being Americans. I don't view them as Americans. They're acting outside the confines of our culture and society. You've got these people passing laws where they fill up garbage bags and leave. And if you lay one hand on that man, you'll go to jail. In New York, they're releasing inmates from jail, convicted. Uh, I think they're releasing felons. But let's just say, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. They were releasing convicts of any caliber and then threatening to arrest people who wanted to open a church or uh, run their business. The police surrounded a bar because they decided to give beer away for free as a private establishment. Didn't matter. In Texas, yeah, in Texas, they arrested a salon owner. So yeah, I am done pretending like there is a cohesive American culture. There are psychopaths burning down what made America great, and there are those who oppose it. Here's the story. In a post on Instagram, the coffee company wrote, we have decided to permanently close our downtown Portland cafe with the last full day of operation being this Thursday, April 13th. The company explained that the staff at the location have been on the, for on the front lines during extreme violence and criminal activity on an almost daily basis for the last few years. Crime and violence that is only increasing in frequency and severity, from theft to physical displays of violence, threats of harm, break-ins, window smashing, and repeated traumatic in-cafe incidents where both staff and patrons feel unsafe. Kawava explained, that they have gone to great lengths to keep the cafe open, even as they watched neighboring businesses close one by one. We have brought all the resources to bear that we have access to, doubling up on shifts, locking one entrance, de-escalation training, hazard pay, and heightened management oversight. This has proven to not be a temporary situation, and it is not a situation we can manage. Most importantly, it is not a situation where we can thrive. We cannot continue operation here as we cannot ensure the safety of our team and customers. Our neighboring businesses have seen it too, and we've watched them close one by one over the last few years. Sadly, we now enjoy them. I am going to go out after I finish my morning show. We're going to go get some barbecue. I'm going to buy it for everybody, and we are going to celebrate. <clears throat> I'm going to celebrate. Watching these businesses fail. Because these people in these cities keep voting for the same thing. They fly the flags. They fly the banners. And you might say to me, Tim, 
Don't blame the small business owner in Portland. Many of them probably oppose this. Yes, you are correct. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And so they shut down. But I'll tell you my point. When I go to Berkeley, what do I see? They put up signs in their windows saying, please don't hurt us. We support you. We agree with you. These businesses are a component of a fractured machine, and they do nothing to stop it. Some do. Don't get me wrong. I don't know about specifically this Coava business, but in terms of downtown Portland is collapsing here, here, the bankrupt corruption of the left cult is apparent for everyone to see. And you deserve it. You know why you deserve it? Because you vote for it. If you vote for uh, lower taxes and then they lower taxes, you deserve it because you voted for it. If you vote for crime and this far left, ridiculous, uh, um, well, let's just say ideological cult or just, you know, algorithmic cult. If you vote for politicians in the same political party who keep doing this, it makes me feel good when you say, oh, no, no, our business is going under. I'll explain. It's a it's not necessarily schadenfreude. It's almost a kind of like I told you so. And there is a satisfaction in being correct. Now, I don't want people to suffer. I don't want this business to go under none of that. But I am just so sick of these people doing absolutely nothing to save their own city, to save their own culture. And I guarantee you these people would would no sooner host a drag queen sex show for children as a, uh, in line with their existing cafe if they remained open. So when downtown Portland crumbles, all I can say is good riddance. Let Portland be washed clean. And when the economic crisis flattens that city, it'll become like Detroit. And then I'll tell you where the real opportunity may arise. Those of merit and mean who fled this city and who now are seeking an opportunity zone may return to Portland and say crime is high, but the buildings are very cheap. And so then they'll start their businesses. It won't be like a cafe. It won't be a grocery store. It'll be more like an office building with uh, barred windows. But a small business may say, you know, we are not open to the public and we can buy this building for cheap. And that will begin the process of renewal. That's how it must be. Kuava thanked the staff for their bravery and work ethic navigating the daily challenges of working in this part of downtown Portland. In response to the announcement, many pointed out the business and people of Portland are getting what they voted for as the city is exceptionally liberal in lead and crime. Others expressed their disappointment to see the business go and hopes the city will do something to tackle crime while remaining compassionate. <laughs> Spare me. This is devastating news and I'm sorry for the circumstances that led to this. We have to figure out a way to be compassionate and limit crime's impact on our quality of life. Nah, just keep doing it. I don't care. I'm so sorry the city has abandoned downtown businesses and is not doing its job to keep the city safe. 
But props to you for putting your employee safety first. Maybe someday we will see downtown thriving again. Laura Bethrist wrote a customer named Mark Hefner wrote, this is the tragic price all of us law abiding citizens get to pay when elected officials allow and promote anarchy to reign in the name of freedom and individual rights. I am saddened and sickened by the news of Quava's closing, my favorite Java spot in the city. More plywood on storefronts of our once vibrant downtown has that for progress. I got to push back. These people aren't approaching freedom and individual rights. They're authoritarian collectivists, and they are enacting anarcho-tyranny. Anarcho-tyranny is meant to be oxymoronic or paradoxical. It's a reference to the fact that it's not actually anarchy. It's tyranny. That's why tyranny is the second part of the, of, of the word. It is that they will let criminals and crime run rampant to destroy things. And then if you try to stop them, they will crush you under their boot. Uh-oh. Walmart shuts down four stores in Chicago, having, halving, you know, if I say having, people might understand it's cutting in half its footprint in crime-ridden Democrat-led city because they lose tens of millions of dollars a year and losses are now doubling. Oh, yes, please show me more. Because we can all sit back, crack a nice, um, what's a good, what's a good beer we can shut it old style? What beer are we, are we drinking these days? And uh, put our feet up, pull out a cigar and say, I told you so, but you know what? I'm really excited for this because Chicago just elected a far left mayor. So if you think it ends here, think again. It's only going to get worse. And you know what? So be it. There's a reason why I left Chicago. There's a reason why I left New York, a reason why I left South Jersey and am now in the West Virginia tri-state area. Of course, that's Maryland, Virginia and West Virginia. And why we're setting up our new HQ in West Virginia. West Virginia has crime and violence. Sure does. And the left loves to point out that per capita, it's higher. So they say, I don't have any of those sources pulled up, but I don't care. You know why? The issue with Chicago, the issue with Portland and California, basically all of California, except for parts of the north. I can I can respect that. The police can't or won't do anything. And you're also not allowed to defend yourself. So here's what I can say about West Virginia. Several months ago. I think it was like half a year ago now. Uh, at one of our properties, I'll try. I got to keep this vague. Some men broke in, and within a moment's notice, a bullet flew across the room and lodged itself um, in 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 uh, the kitchen island in our drawers. I took a picture of it, posted it. The men jumped out the window. We believe they they injured themselves pretty poorly. Jumped in a car and sped off. Uh oh. You see what happens when you come to West Virginia. We don't wait for the cops to show up to help us. We have constitutional carry and a right to defend ourselves in our homes. Good luck in Chicago if you're in a business and a criminal comes in. Walmart is incapable. There is nothing they can do to stop this except just shut it down. And boy, do you love to see it. Now, I think it's important to say, I don't know if there's actually Walmarts in Chicago they say it's in Chicago, but I think the, uh, do they have, I, th I thought Chicago didn't have Walmarts. They're like in the outlying areas or whatever, but I, maybe I'm wrong. The four stores closing their doors have not been profitable for several years, even after efforts to turn them around, according to a statement released on their website. The simplest explanation is that collectively our Chicago stores have not been profitable since we first opened them 17 years ago. 
These stores lose tens of millions of dollars a year, and their annual losses nearly doubled in the last five years. At least 11 other stores have closed across the country so far, from Hawaii to Washington, D.C. The closings were announced just days after Chicago's newly elected liberal mayor, Brandon Johnson, blamed the city's poverty and crime rates on businesses that don't pay taxes. Oh, you love to see it. Bring it on more. I don't live there. I don't care. You can have whatever you want, Chicago. It's all yours. Me, I'm in West Virginia. And uh, out here in the mountains, it's a whole bunch of right-wing nut jobs. And that's a term of endearment, of course. These are people who mind their own business, aren't easily bothered, and will protect themselves. I love hearing these stories where they'll be like these liberals come in, they flee D.C., and then they complain about animals or hearing gunshots. I heard a gunshot last night. What do I do? Did you flee D.C. because you heard gunshots? I'll tell you this. I walk outside my house and I hear gunshots to the extent that it sounds like fully automatic rifle fire, when in fact it's just multiple people shooting off all at once. And you know what I do? I sip my coffee, look around and go, ah, good fresh air. And I go back to work and I don't think about it. You know why? When you're out in the middle of nowhere, when you're out in West Virginia, when you hear a gunshot, somebody's hunting, somebody's it's target practice, or they're just having fun. Yeah, when you hear a gunshot in a city, it's probably because someone is dying and they don't care if it's you or anyone else. So naturally, when you live in a city and you hear a gunshot, you get worried. When you live in the middle of nowhere, you hear a gunshot, you're like, yeah, neighbors are shooting again. Just like that. I don't have as much to worry about. Plus, we've got chickens. We, uh, we had a garden, you know, last year or the year before. Was it? No, I think it was, it was early last year. Can't remember. Maybe it was the year before. And we'd make our own breakfast. I'd grow, we'd grow our own cherry tomatoes and zucchinis and squash. And then we'd grab some eggs and we'd, boom, delicious. But you live in these cities in urban decay. You ignore what is happening around you. And this is what happens. So I'll leave you with this thought. A lot of what's happening is not the fault of people who live here. But when I go out, you know, on the weekends or whatever, and I'm talking to regular people, they cannot tell me one thing about what they do to actually make the world a better place. And I think it's an issue of Gen X to a certain degree and some boomers where they say things like all politicians are criminals. So why would I bother? And it's like, yeah, you know, I don't completely disagree with you. I think there's a lot of good politicians. Uh, Ron Paul was on the show last night. He's, he's amazing. And uh, it, it's, it's really great to hear from uh, uh, people like him. So I tell you this, the reason they're all criminals is because you have given up because it was hard. But if all of these people who said, I'm not going to get involved, actually did, actually went door to door, knocked on doors and tried, they could fix these problems. Instead, Chicago's captured Democrat supermajority for 100 years. Illinois has a lot of red areas, but good luck. Chicago's run by the mob. Good luck in Portland. They're deferential to the far left extremists because they're scared of them. And that's what you get when the brown shirts take over. And the media lies and we all know it. So long as we're seeing things like this, all I can say is get out of cities, have kids, make money. And that is the path towards winning the culture war. No joke. In the meantime, I think it's important that everybody pay attention to what the story of the segment was really about. A prominent leftist who has been radicalized to the point where he was calling for exterminating Republicans. 
Okay, I hope you're paying attention. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. I honestly hope this becomes the trend whenever a corporation gets woke. So right now we're seeing that uh, Bud Light stock is currently down today once again. Dylan Mulvaney has responded. Howard Stearns issued a statement. The Anheuser-Busch fiasco is only getting worse for Anheuser-Busch. They could have stayed out of culture war politics, but they decided to get woke and go broke. Now, of course, I'm not so convinced they're going to lose enough money to where they actually cry about it. We must maintain a boycott on Anheuser-Busch products because the apology is the goal. Once they apologize, they are saying outright to the world, they are more concerned about your ideas than their ideas. That's it. In the meantime, let's go through the news. I couldn't help but notice this tweet from Seth Weathers. We've had Seth on the show, co-founder of Conservative Dad's ultra-right, woke-free American beer. Okay, outright, I hope you all consider this product. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Now, I'm not going to give you advice. I typically will tell people not to drink beer, so I don't want to tell you to do anything, but I will say this. If a company emerges in response to a corporation getting woke, we should be in support of it. When Jeremy Boring of the Daily Wire launched his chocolate bar company, I think I ordered like a couple thousand chocolate bars. Now, of course, I have an office with like 30 or 40 employees and guests that come in every day with crew. So we stock snacks. We've got popcorn. We got potato chips. We got healthy snacks, keto granola bars. And I said, yeah, chocolate, that sounds perfect. Let's order a whole bunch. Let's make sure the money we have is going to corporations that don't hate us. So over at ultrarightbeer.com, they're selling ultra-right beer. Again, I'm not advocating for you to buy any of this stuff. I am not promoting this. In fact, I would actually argue against drinking alcohol. That's just me. I just want to make sure it's clear. My point is simply this. Corporations that are emerging in response to the woke psychosis, probably a good thing. Uh, in no way are we uh, promoted or sponsored by any of this. I just thought it was really interesting. They're doing it. But let's talk about the latest news and developments. Dylan Mulvaney responds to critics of Bud Light Deal, Bud Light Deal, saying, I'm an easy target. Well, I'll just make it simple for anybody who's stumbling upon these videos who doesn't understand why I can't speak for everybody, but why at least I do not like that Bud Light has sponsored Dylan Mulvaney because Dylan Mulvaney is not trans. And of course, the left thinks Dylan Mulvaney is, but Dylan Mulvaney is just a character who is seeking fame, as evidenced by Dylan Mulvaney's own TikTok, if you go and look at it. Dylan Mulvaney has always desperately tried to be famous, such as appearing on Ellen DeGeneres and trying to dance on stage, just desperate for people to look at them. Well, here they are. Congratulations. This is their bit. Now, Actual trans people have posted online about how Dylan Mulvaney doesn't seem to be following any of this, not taking hormones, it seems, and not getting hair removal. It seems like it's a bit. Now, some will argue, what about the facial surgery? 
Yeah, but facial surgery isn't necessarily the same thing as removing your hair permanently and taking hormones. But I digress. Okay, facial surgery certainly happened. Speaking with Rosie O'Donnell, Mulvaney, who is a biological man identifying as a trans woman, offered a reason for the mounting attention and criticism following a promotion for Bud Light beer and a sports bra for Nike. The reason I think I'm an easy target is because I'm still new to this. I think going after a trans woman who has been doing this for 20 years is a lot more difficult. Maybe they think there's some sort of chance with me that they can. But I mean, what's their goal? Okay. They go on to mention Travis Tritt, Kid Rock, John Rich. Former Olympic swimmer Sharon Davies also slammed Nike's partnership with Mulvaney as a parody of what women are. All right. I can answer these questions. And we'll jump over to the story about Howard Stern so we can wrap it all into one nice, neat little bow. Shock jock Howard Stern is dumbfounded by Kid Rock's reaction to trans star Dylan Mulvaney's Bud Light campaign. Why do you care so much about this? It's kind of sad, you know, to see someone like Howard Stern, who doesn't have Google, who doesn't listen, and who is genuinely shocked. Here's what he said. I thought there must be a piece of this story that I'm missing, he said on Monday's edition of The Long Running Show. And there is, and you are. I'm not bothered by gay people or transsexual people. They don't impact my life. They don't hurt my life. I love when people are in love. You want to be a woman? Be a woman. You want to be a dude? Be a dude. But whatever you effing want, as long as you ain't hurting anybody, I'm on your team. Now, that's a bold thing to say. I'm not on your team if, if you're not hurting somebody. If you're someone whose position is don't hurt others, non-aggression principle, I'm on that specific team. But if you are a person who wants to sterilize and castrate children, you're literally hurting people. If you are a person who has a social media profile that is algorithmically feeding children the idea about self-sterilization, you are hurting people. And see, that's the thing. Howard Stern is not smart enough to understand this. He just is like, it's just a person with a social media account. And then for the rest of us, we're like, yes, and the algorithm is feeding this to children who, and we are seeing increasing suicide rates among young people, extreme issue, uh, 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 an increase in depression among young people. And we are seeing a rapid escalation in hormone therapies and surgery for children, which we already know doesn't work thanks to the research that was done in Europe. Call it whatever you want. Experimentation and research. They ultimately said, hey, this didn't work. And they stopped in Scandinavia and in the UK. It should not be happening here. They're hurting kids. Howard Stern doesn't care. He assumes Kid Rock, who he thinks is a good guy. He's like, he goes on to say something. Let me see what he says. Kid Rock, I know him. He's got a great life. He transitioned from some kid in Michigan to a rock superstar. I'm really dumbfounded by someone would care so much that they would blow up a can of Bud Light and say F Anheuser-Busch. I don't get it. Could it be that Kid Rock is a good dude? Is a good dude who wants to help people? Maybe that's it. Maybe people like Dylan Mulvaney contribute to the harm that is affecting these children, resulting in suicide and depression. And someone like Kid Rock is saying, how dare you hurt these kids and provide funding in this direction? I feel Kid Rock, his songs are all about living the life you want. I'm doing my thing, man. And F you if you're not with me. Sure. Kid Rock blew up a bunch of Bud Light. I dig it. He's standing up. He's saying no. Then Stern began to speak about another country star, Travis Tritt. Again, Stern said that he would like to have Tritt on the show to explain why he's so upset over Mulvaney's face adorning a Bud Light can. Rock has made many appearances on Stern's show over the years. During one memorable exchange, Rock spoke about his pride in not living in Los Angeles, but rather spread himself across the country. 
There's nothing effing better than a plane. These mother effers that live in LA, I feel bad for these mother effing musicians who I think have money. You ain't got ish, mother effer. A lot of swearing. I got a lot of problems. Money and let's just say women ain't one of them. The American badass singer said, sure. Oh, look at this. Kid Rock with John Rich. John Rich is fantastic, by the way. Good friend of the show. We've had him on a couple times and uh, he does great work. That was the same interview in which Kid Rock decided to announce that he wasn't running for U.S. Senate. The singer described his flirtation with politics, blah, 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 blah. So you get it, I guess. Rock was also one of the performers at Stern's birthday party in 2000, appearing on stage alongside late co-frontman Joe C. In response to the Mulvaney firestorm, Anheuser Bush has defended working with the influencer, blah, blah, blah. You get it. You get it. So here's the issue, Howard. You don't understand. You are the one who is ignoring harm befalling children. And that's the issue that conservatives take. Now, I, of course, have always been a traditional liberal and a very much live, let live kind of person. So my view has been sort of like, yeah, you know, they're targeting innocent kids. It's a bad thing. Agreed. And um, abortion is wrong. Uh, it, it does end a life. Agreed. My challenge with with the pro-life versus pro-choice is where the government intervenes in this matter that pertains to two individual life forms is very, very difficult for me to uh, um it's difficult for me to, to side with government intervention on that one when it involves two different individual lives and I'm more of an individualist libertarian type. I know it's not a perfect answer. I don't have one. And then I can say this. You know, when it comes to these kids being sterilized like Jazz Jennings against their will, in my view, like like Jazz is clearly unwilling to do these things. You see this video. Actually, Howard, Howard, if you end up seeing this video, here's what I got to say for you. Google search or search on Twitter is a better place to do it for Jazz Jennings' mother and dilator. And then you will understand likely why Kid Rock is upset by this video of Dylan Mulvaney. There's a video of Jazz Jennings, who's the famous trans child as a TV show on TLC. The mother saying that she wakes up Jazz in the middle of the night, grabs the dilator and lubricates it and says, you stick this in you or I'll do it. Then goes on to say, if Jazz leaves and doesn't do this and it closes up, I'll wring her neck. Why? What's wrong with you? Of course, what she's talking about is Jazz Jennings has what's referred to as a neovagina. In proper medical term, it would be described as a surgical sex. <laughs> well, it's a um, penile inversion vaginoplasty. And Jazz Jennings, they had to use stomach lining to create the, the interior of this uh, 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 of space. And I don't know exactly how you describe it medically. The issue is it exists for a man to insert himself in for sexual gratification and nothing else. It will not produce pleasure for Jazz Jennings. Jazz Jennings is incapable of this due to the hormones and the surgeries. So that's the point. The deep harm that befalls these children, now adults, and we don't want that pushed on kids. So that's why we're like, okay, Anheuser-Busch, you hurt children. Howard, that's the issue. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I would be remiss if I did not give this story a proper segment. Last night, when Ron Paul joined us, we led the show with this. Victor Bout, a.k.a. the Merchant of Death, warns Trump of assassination threat from the Biden administration. Quote, they would sooner end your life than let you stand in their way. Holy what? <laughs> yeah, we only briefly talked about it because Ron Paul was like, I don't know, man. So I want to read you this quote and tell you exactly what the Merchant of Death has said. 
Notorious Russian arms dealer Victor Bout says that he sent a message to former President Donald Trump warning him of the potential for assassination as efforts to prosecute the 45th president ramp up in three separate jurisdictions. Bout, nicknamed the Merchant of Death, was freed last year in a prison prisoner swap with WNBA star Brittany Griner, who was jailed in Russia after drugs were found in her luggage. Quote, I sent a telegram to former President Donald Trump. I believe his life is in great danger, Bout said in a video clip discussing the cable. Oh, just made it a little bigger. There you go. Probably easy to read. The, the indictment in New York will not end well. Where he returns to election campaigning, he will be destroyed. In a separate video clip of the same interview on the Russian 24 News Channel, Bout says the New York case will not just end with Trump being convicted and barred from the election, but that most likely he will simply be eliminated there. Holy crap. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Therefore, I think it's in the interests of all humanity and primarily of the American people to invite Donald Trump here to Russia to give him security and protection so that he leads this uprising against the globalists and most importantly, does not allow the elimination of the American people. Excuse me. The merchant of death. Here's a copy of the telegram. No, man. A purported copy of the cable from Bout to Trump says Bout believes the former president's life is in danger because he tried to save the American people from the genocidal globalist cabal. Bout used language Trump often uses by referring to the swamp as the driving force behind the United States' descent into anarcho-tyranny. Bout said in the telegram that the Biden administration will not stop just by dragging you through the court prison industrial complex, adding that they would sooner end your life than let you stand in their way. Many of Trump's supporters believe the recent indictment by New York prosecutors, as well as a separate investigation into his final stages in Georgia, and a third investigation by a special prosecutor in D.C., are politically motivated attempts to take him off the board for the 2024 presidential campaign. I just go ahead and say, yeah, that's probably true. So here's let me see if I can read the actual telegram. All right, we're going to read it. We're going to read it. Here you go. It says, dear. Oh, it's wait a minute. This is a literal telegram. I thought he was talking about the app telegram. No, he sent him a literal telegram. Dear Mr. Donald Trump, I believe your life is in peril because during your term in the White House, it's kind of hard to read. You had tried to save the American people from the genocidal globalist cabal to protect the family and to prevent the global conflicts to now destabilize the world. I'm just reading it verbatim. Now this evil swamp is destroying the last foundations of the American Republic. In fact, turning it to full-blown anarcho-tyranny. All right. The future of humanity and life is at stake. The Biden administration will not stop just by dragging you through the, the court prison industrial complex. They would sooner end your life than let you stand in their way. You will be welcome in Russia. You will have safe haven. And from here, you can lead the fight for the American people, the rebellion against the globalists, and for the bright future of the planet. Sincerely yours, Victor Bout. What it says, uh, Lukov per um, Moscow. I can't read what that says. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. 
All caps lock, someone's point, some, someone points out. Um, man, I'm not sure I'm convinced they will try to end Trump's life. I don't think even the deep state does that anymore for the most part. Certainly with people like Gaddafi or Abdurrahman Al-Awlaki, they'll certainly end your life. But let me tell you what I think. And we'll start by traveling back in time to last night. Ron Paul said he believes that the revolution already occurred, and it occurred in 1962 when the deep state killed John F. Kennedy. Wow, that was kind of a bold thing to hear. Now, we heard it on Tucker Carlson's show as well. He said someone, I think it was a whistleblower from the CIA, said, yeah, basically the U.S. government took out John F. Kennedy. That was the coup. That was the revolution. Is it possible that something like that could happen today? In my opinion, no, I don't think so. I think they learned their lesson. And I think warfare and these tactics change with the advent of the internet and social media. Here's what I think. Character assassination is the preferred method of removing a troublesome person. It may be somewhat more difficult in a certain respect, but it has better long-lasting results than physical assassination. You take a look at Martin Luther King Jr. And Ron Paul points out that he and JFK and a bunch of other prominent individuals were removed, as it were. They died. And men in the left have pointed out that uh, they believe the FBI killed Martin Luther King Jr. But when you kill these people, you lionize, you canonize, you make martyrs of, you make them legendary. And their ideas and the things they believed will, will stand for eternity because they were killed. You see, this stuff may have worked way back in the day before mass media. You've got a uh, prince who is currently traveling from city to city, and he's got his, you know, guards with him. And then you're like, we can end his reign right now. And you do. And then what happens is no one hears from him ever again. That's it. Someone shows up to the city and say he's gone. And, I don't know. and without his influence, that's the end of it. But then you get mass media recording devices that stand the test of time, videos, photos, etc. And that means that when this person dies, whoa, those words will persist and never change. You see, I think deep state individuals and actors back then didn't realize what mass media meant for assassination. They were just going by the book and they said, whoa, we just made a big mistake. We just turned this guy into a legend of American history. Whoopsie. So what do we have now? You look at someone like Julian Assange. They learn their lesson. They accuse him through the mass media of being a, 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 a rapist, despite the fact it's not true. And the evidence on support doesn't matter. They'll just keep saying it over and over and over again. They then drum up bogus charges to lock him up. He was smart about this and he fled to the Ecuadorian embassy. Still, he was trapped inside that building for like a decade. That is how you put an end to a troublesome person character assassination and immobilization. And that is what they are doing to Donald Trump. I don't think his life is in danger. I really don't think so. Um, I suppose the reality is that if the man ends up winning, then perhaps. Because if no other alternatives remain, then that may be the case. But when I take a look at Donald Trump, I can take a look at the media and how they've lied relentlessly over and over again about who he is, about what he wants, about what he does, about what he said. And it's obvious it's character assassination, but it doesn't work because of social media. Then you take a look at what they're doing now in the courts. They are escalating their tactics. They are terrified. That's the reality. Escalating their tactics. They've got a civil lawsuit 
Trump has to go back to New York to testify. Criminal indictment in New York, pending in Georgia, pending in D.C. Three. You think they're going to let this man go? And now apparently they're saying he's got some kind of rape trial or, or that's what these leftists are talking about. I don't know what's going on. They will make up anything they can to smear Trump. Let me see if we have that one. That's a latest news story. Yeah, this is from a few weeks ago, actually. This is this is absolutely insane. Here we go. And you see how they phrase it. Let's uh, let's drop this one in. Trump wants to delay E. Jean Carroll rape trial so media frenzy over his criminal indictment can die down. This is not real. This is not a real story. I just I just don't believe that this crazy anti-Trumper one who's screaming <laughs> is telling you the truth. It's another attack. They want to smear Donald Trump in the worst way imaginable. This is what they do. Trump's lawyer says, blah, 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 blah. The rape trial is currently scheduled to begin in Manhattan on April 25th. Longtime L advice columnist E. Jean Carroll has accused Trump of raping her in a Bergdorf Goodman changing room in the mid-1990s and has sued for defamation and battery. Now, here's the crazy thing. How is that possible? It's 33 years ago. How could she sue over this? 33 years. What proof does she have of any of it? But here we go. Why? It's because they're just trying to destroy Donald Trump by doing whatever they can. So maybe if Trump wins against all of this, maybe then his life really will be in danger. And this merchant of death guy is telling the truth. But all in all, I would say this. This guy's a Russian. Russians don't like the United States. They've never liked the United States. They may like some things about it culturally, but what I mean is the government. And so the people who are working at the behest of the government and working with the government of Russia They're not here for the betterment of the American people. They're here for the betterment of the Russian people. And I can respect that. But it also means I'm not going to trust you. Not one bit. So is he wrong, though? It's an opinion. Would they try to end his life? Perhaps if he wins. I don't know, man. It's hard to know exactly what's going on these days and the extent to which conspiracy theories are actually real. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. NPR has announced they will boycott Twitter and no longer use the platform for any of its affiliates because they've been labeled government funded by the platform. And they're furious. They say, this is not true. We're not government funded for the most part. We do get money from the government, but that's, you know, totally different. I love it. Simply put, NPR does admittedly get some of its money from the government. Not a lot. They claim it's 1%. But NPR was established by an act of Congress. I think that matters, too. And they're complaining that they are associated with the government. Here's what they said. National Public Radio is quitting Twitter after the social media platform owned by Elon Musk stamped NPR's main account with labels. The news organization says are meant to undermine its credibility. How does that undermine its credibility? Hmm? NPR's organizational accounts will no longer be active on Twitter because the platform is taking actions that undermine our credibility by falsely implying that we are not editorially independent. Where did it say that? You see, this is really funny. I got to say, Elon Musk over target. Who said anything about that? All we said was get funding from the government. You do. This is amazing. Last week, Twitter labeled NPR's main account as state affiliated media. On the social media site, a label also used to identify media outlets that are controlled or heavily influenced by authoritarian governments. Twitter later changed the label to government funded media and gave gave it to at least one other public news organization, the BBC. 
We're not putting our journalism on platforms that have demonstrated an interest in undermining our credibility and the public's understanding of our editorial independence. Oh, cry about it. NPR's main account has not tweeted since April 4th. On Wednesday, it sent a series of tweets listing other places to find its journalism. Bye. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. The company said NPR journalists, employees, and member stations can decide on their own if they want to keep using the platform. NPR's chief communications officer, Isabel Lara, said in an email that NPR journalists and employees will decide on their own if they wish to remain on the platform. Same for NPR member stations and they're, uh, as they're independently owned and operated. NPR does, does receive... <laughs> I love this. NPR does receive U.S. government funding through grants from federal agencies and departments, along with the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The company said it accounts for less than 1% of NPR's annual operating budget. So what? You're government funded. Nobody said it was more than 1%. Twitter's new labels have often appeared arbitrarily assigned. It tagged NPR with state affiliated label, and that's what it should have said. Elon, it should say state affiliated. After Musk participated in a public conversation about NPR on Twitter and then deleted mention of NPR, but left up BBC on a webpage where it described why they should not get that label. Since then, it has given NPR, BBC, and some other groups a government-funded label, but hasn't done the same for many other public media outlets, such as their counterparts in Canada and Australia. In an interview Tuesday with a BBC tech reporter at Twitter's SF headquarters, Musk acknowledged that the British news organization is not thrilled about the state-affiliated labels and asked the reporter for feedback. Quote, our goal was simply to be as truthful and as accurate as possible, Musk said. So I think we're adjusting the label to be publicly funded, which I think is perhaps not too objectionable. We're trying to be accurate. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the account for NPR. Government funded media. Guess what? They are government funded. And that is not in dispute. It's a fact. Don't, don't believe me? Well, I literally just showed you a quote from NPR saying... NPR does receive, I'm sorry, that's not a quote from NPR, it's from NBC. NPR does receive U.S. government funding. Okay, check this out. Let's pop over to our good friends over at Wikipedia. No one's ever accused Wikipedia of, a, of having a far-right bias, at least not anyone sane. And they write, National Public Radio is an American nonprofit media organization headquartered in Washington, D.C., with its NPR West headquarters in Culver City, California. It serves as a national syndicator to a network of over 1,000 public radio stations in the United States. It differs from other nonprofit membership media organizations, such as the Associated Press, in that it was established by an act of Congress. Heavens me. Funding for NPR comes from dues and fees paid by member stations, underwriting from corporate sponsors, and annual grants from the publicly funded Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Most of its member stations are owned by nonprofit organizations, including public school districts, colleges, and universities. So let's break this down. It's basically getting funneled money through public school districts, colleges, and universities. How much of that money is coming from the government? You can't run that stuff from the government to the universities and schools back to NPR and say it's not state affiliated. It's not government affiliated. It was established by an act of Congress. Spare me. Not to mention, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting is an American publicly funded nonprofit corporation created in 1967 to promote and help support public broadcasting. The corporation's mission is to ensure universal access to non-commercial, high-quality content and telecommunications. 
It does so by distributing more than 70% of its funding to more than 1,400 locally owned public radio and television stations. Oh, heavens me. Is that the lie? The Corporation for Public Broadcasting receives a bunch of cash. It then gives that cash all across the board to a bunch of different organizations who then what? Pay member fees to NPR? Lies and manipulations. That's the game they're involved in. And you, don't want to, you want to know why the real reason that NPR is leaving? Because they've been called out. That's it. Here's what they wrote. Twitter added a state-affiliated media tag to NPR's main account on Tuesday, applying the same label to the nonprofit media company that Twitter used, uses to designate official state mouthpieces and propaganda outlets in countries such as Russia and China. NPR operates independently of the U.S. government, and while federal money is important to the overall public media system, NPR gets less than 1% of its annual budget on average from federal sources. That's right. They launder those sources. The government can pay various news outlets who then pay NPR, and now it's clean money, in my opinion. Noting the millions of listeners who support and rely upon NPR for independent fact-based journalism, NPR CEO John Lansing stated, NPR stands for freedom of speech and holding the powerful accountable. It is unacceptable for Twitter to label us this way. A vigorous, vibrant, free press is essential to the health of our democracy. So meanwhile, while the government is colluding with big tech corporations to silence the American people and NPR is nowhere to be found, they're outraged that a private corporation put a teeny label, which is 100% accurate, on their profile. You know what, NPR? You can shove off. I'll keep that one family friendly. The idea that saying you're government funded is somehow egregious and strikes at your credibility is laughable because you are government funded. This is the game. This is the manipulation. This is the propaganda. It's the narrative machine. Seems accurate, Musk says. Twitter's owner and CEO Musk acknowledged the new tag was applied to NPR. He said, seems accurate. Twitter's policy describes state-affiliated media as outlets where the state exercises control over editorial content through financial resources, direct or indirect political pressures, and or over production and distribution. As recently as Tuesday, Twitter's policy page stated explicitly that NPR would not be included in this label. Let me explain something, and then we'll read this false equivalency section they wrote. Do you think NPR is independent? If they rely on government money, then they have to kowtow to the government. If there is going to be a vote to strip them of resources, they will do whatever they have to do to stop that from happening. That's called not being editorially independent. They say those criticizing the new label include Yoel Roth, who is Twitter's head of trust and safety for nearly eight years. He resigned from Twitter last November, saying Twitter's decision to label NPR as a state media outlet flies in the face of years of research. All evidence about NPR's funding and governance and Twitter's own policies and principles. These people are evil. They're evil. Can I say it again? They're evil. They're evil. They are evil. They're lying. I just showed you Wikipedia saying NPR was created by an act of Congress. They straight out say, straight up say they get some of their funding, 1%. I know it's small from the government. For him to come out and say, it flies in the face of this. It's a fact. Yes, but not all of our funding. Play a game. Play a game. More than 99% of NPR's funds don't come from federal sources. Right, they come from local political sources, right? Local government sources. NPR is an independent and nonprofit organization, blah, blah, blah. NPR receives federal funds indirectly because they play a vital role in supporting member stations through annual grants from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. But those stations also rely on audience donations and other revenue. And they purchase programs and content from across the public media ecosystem, not solely from NPR. 
A very limited portion of NPR's budget comes from direct federal sources. And there it is. They admit it, but they manipulate it. Here's what they say. They say directly. Hmm. A very limited portion comes from direct federal sources, less than 1%. Mm-hmm. But what's this right here? NPR receives federal funds indirectly, playing a role supporting member stations. Exactly what I just said. That the Corporation for Public Broadcasting is going to send out cash to all these other channels, all these other stations, who then send the money back to NPR. And there you have it, my folks, their own words. So why are they lying? Because they're liars. Because that's what they do. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.